The following podcast contains mature language and adult discussion. This week on Kayfabe, stories you're not supposed to hear. The majority of the people at ECW, I didn't give a fuck about. I never wanted to be associated with the motherfuckers outside of wrestling. Why is that, Jack? Because they're so full of shit. All right, hello, welcome back. We are together again, you and I, sitting in this little space, this little space on your little pod gimmick there, or maybe, uh, maybe just in that little space between your ears. Regardless, um, our time will be fruitful and brief. You know, I was, uh, I'm tracking down a guest and this was uh, a bit of a process. Sometimes a guest comes quickly, like today, like New Jack. New Jack called me this afternoon about something else and uh, I said, uh, listen, you know, I got a podcast. Uh, can you come on today? And he, and he did. So sometimes it's just like that, one of those fortuitous things. And then then there's times where I there's somebody I want and then there's a process you know, I got a, you know, there's a, there's a courtship that has to happen and I'm doing that now with someone and it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be a good, uh, it's going to be a good interview, but it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a serious thing. I, I, I want to talk kind of seriously about a topic and I just, I just wonder, I, I just wonder if, if it could, if I have to be someone else, I mean, they, listen, we're not one thing, and I and I, I hate the the perception that we have to be. I hate meeting new people because they invariably go, "So what do you do?" And I don't have an answer for that. I don't have one answer. So I had to try to find, and it's impossible. So I quit how to answer that what, what what would suffice what would be a label that i could put on myself that that would suffice and 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 i still i still haven't found it i i don't think it exists but um you know brian alvarez asked me when i was first when we first started kayfabe commentaries and i was on figure four radio and uh brian asked me he said what do you what do you tell people you do like when they ask you, because he knew I was an actor and he knew I was, you know, had all these other credits from, uh, from the film and television world. And he's like, what, what, you know, do they, do they get it when you talk to them about it? And I had to explain that, you know, I, I just tell them I have a production company. There's a few, there's a few levels you have to hop to get to the wrestling thing, unless you're in the wrestling world. I say, well, I own a production company. And then, you know, invariably they go, oh, what kind? What kind of production company? What do you What do you make? So then, the second the second layer of protection is uh, a sports based interview based programming with professional athletes. And if that's not enough, it you know then you have to have that moment. You have to go, all right. Listen, you, you know you either get this or you don't, and we can move right on if you don't. It's professional wrestling. So a lot of times there's the very polite. Oh yes, I remember that. You know. Uh, a fine break in the weather, you know, that that's, you know, incredible blintzes they have here. So, 
there is that. Uh, but I, I said to Brian, I said, what do you what do you tell people? He's, he's like, yeah, I usually just tell them I write. You know, I'm a writer for a small publication. And so, you know, we all have that thing in wrestling. But, you know, it would sure be easier if you were just one thing. I think I almost envy people that just can just say I'm a plumber, carpenter, something, stockbroker, senator, nude model, whatever it is, if you just have the one, you know, I guess in my heart of hearts, it's less enviable because you should chase your passions no matter in in what wild directions they may take you, you should chase them. So I do respect that, but it's just hard to to meet people and to talk to people. So I was thinking about this in terms of the person that I'm trying to get to come on the show. And I said, you know, what? if this person researches me, because they wanted to get to know me a little bit before they committed based on their uh, their their past and their their little corner of the planet. So, who am I? I had to explain. I said, "Yeah, well, I have a podcast. It's 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 subtitled stories you're not supposed to hear, um, but but it's called kayfabe, and that's a that's a wrestling term because I." I, I kind of got some notoriety from the wrestling world for the last 10 or 12 years. And and so there's that. And then, then you know, but then I talked to other people at Secrets too. And, you know, um, you know, I'm an author. And so then there's I'm just it's one of those times where there's all these parts of myself. And I, I beat myself up because my brand is unauthentic. Is your brand unauthentic? I don't want to just talk about myself. That would be, uh, yeah, listen, you're listening to my podcast. Why would I talk about myself? But everybody's kind of got a brand, right? And so I feel not unauthentic because they're all real, but it's a mess. It's all over the place, you know? Um, If it was just the wrestling thing, if it was just the wrestling thing, then all my books could be wrestling related. I could do this wrestling podcast and host wrestling shoot interviews and we could talk wrestling here and I'd talk wrestling in my books and, you know, and that would be it. And, you know, then but if if it's not that, then then maybe it's a combination and. You know, there's thr- and that's what I live. I live that combination. I have, I've written thrillers. I've, I've written wrestling books. I've maybe I'll write something completely left of center for my next book. Maybe I'll write a technical manual, how to repair a commode, a toilet. Maybe I'll write it. I'm a writer, you can write anything. So. In trying to find a term, find something to hang my hat on in as much as what do you say you are? I came across a word which I think fits. This person, by the way, has agreed to come on the show. So we're going to do this in April. It's going to be great. But um, so here's, you know, written writing screenplays where I'm writing a series right now, which hopefully will see the light of day on Netflix or Amazon or 
one of these places, these streaming places, and uh, you know, six books, three novels. I've I was in Jesus. I've been in the acting world for twenty five years. Couple of hundred major motion picture television series credits to my name and I have this podcast and I had this wrestling production company for 12 years and I've directed youth theater and uh, I was speaking to a book club and it was about it was about me because they had to get to know me a little I was going to be reading from my first novel at the time and I I I came across the word storyteller. And I hung on that for a while because I think that's what this all is. This isn't this the common thread. I wrote three nonfiction books about the world of professional wrestling. I told you stories. I told you my story in one of them. I told you my story um, as the host of these shows. I told you my story running a business in another book business of kayfabe and then i told you other folk stories in father's blood workers that were dads in the wrestling business then i told you three fictional stories in three of my novels my thrillers then there was kayfabe commentaries i i extract stories from the talent I make them tell certain stories at certain times. I use their mouth and their words, but I'm making them tell the story. So that's storytelling. Maybe it's maybe it's just all storytelling. So I think from now on, I'm going to ask, can that just suffice as a job description? Can there in the world be carpenter, baker, Stockbroker, senator, and storyteller. The KC Vault. Want to see all of Kayfabe Commentary's content? It's all going to be up there. There's in the hundreds of hours of programming already on the KC Vault. $14.95 a month. One price. To watch all of our content. These shows were 20 bucks a piece. Just a few years ago on DVD. A la carte. Now, you've got like, I think there's like 90 full-length programs of Kayfabe commentaries on there. For one low price a month. Watch them as many times as you want. And you should. People tell me they watch some of our timelines three and four times. Watch their favorite years again and again. KC Vault. Go to kcvault.pivotshare.com. KCVault.pivotshare.com. Sign up. Join the revolution. We changed it all. Kayfabe Commandos stormed the Bastille and and changed things. KCVault.pivotshare.com. All right, I haven't talked to my old friend in uh, in a, in a minute, and uh, but he is here and uh, another deserving spot on this podcast as we're 
we're often talking about ECW's 25th anniversary. It's uh, it's my friend New Jack, and New Jack, you can add the uh, the category author to your job description now. Can you not? Yeah, my, you talking about my book? Yes. Well, what else have you? I don't know if you if you've written anything else. We'll talk about that too. But I was talking about the book. Did you have to be convinced? Did you you have to be convinced to do that, or is that something you wanted to do? I wanted to do it, and you know, over the years, they said they wanted to do the book, but then it would always like not fall through. Right. But did, were you uh, were you hesitant to open up like that? I mean, listen, you've been on a ten thousand of our shows and all the other companies' shows. But for some reason, when you write something down, when it's in print forever, it just seems to to be more heavy. Were, were you hesitant to do it? No, no, I wanted to do it. So not afraid to let any skeletons out of the closet. If if you had any left, for God's sakes. No secrets, man. I mean, you know, I I I'd have been. We done did a few shoot interviews, and yeah, I was just like, I just say whatever. I mean, you know, whatever came up came out. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Let's. I want to start off with ECW for a minute. Um. Like I mentioned before, this is the 25th anniversary of. Extreme Championship Wrestling. So I'm going to ask you my stock question. I've asked everybody who's been on this show from ECW. Who do you give your anniversary card to? Oh, wow. I would have to give it to Cronus. Cronus? Yeah. Wow. Do tell. Because being Cronus was like... We was friends outside of wrestling, you know, and we hung out, and uh, he was a dear friend of mine, you know what I mean? And I saw him go through a lot of shit, you know, and then after they screwed him around at ECW, you know what I mean? Then they had him coming out being a jogger, you know, and I just told him, I said, just hang in there, man, you know, I said, this shit will get better, you know, and he was like, Jack. He said, I'm physically fucked up, man. You know what I mean? He said, and I still got depth to look forward to. You know, and I was just like, dude, it's going to get better. And he came out to XPW, and they fucked him out there, too. So, I mean, you know, that was kind of the end of it. You know what I mean? But uh, he, I, I respect the Cronus. You know what I mean? The, the majority of the people at ECW, I didn't give a fuck about, you know, Really? I was just like, I showed up, and I did my thing, and I left. You know what I mean? I never kept in touch with guys. You know, I never had any phone numbers from, from people at ECW. I still talk to Todd Gordon. Right. You know, but I never wanted to be associated with the motherfuckers outside of wrestling. Why is that, Jack? Because they're so full of shit. You know what I mean? You You never know... Who you talking to, you know what I mean? Whether you talking to Sandman the wrestler or Sandman the father, you know what I mean? And I'm not picking on Sandman, I'm just pulling the name out. 
you know, and I mean, people would always come to you and they would talk to you and they would blow smoke up your ass and then when you turn around and walk away, they stab you in the back, you know, and it was like that with that whole locker room, you know what I mean? And I mean, everybody had their little cliques, you know, I mean, Sabu and Van Damme, they hung out and, and, and me and Mustafa, we didn't really hang out too tough, <clears throat> but we kept in touch you know, to make sure that everybody was all right. You know, but it's a doggy dog, man. You know what I mean? Like I said, you can't trust nobody because you never know who's trying to take your spot. But was this specific to ECW, Jack, or, or are you just talking about workers in general? Well, you mentioned ECW, so I was talking about ECW. You know what I mean? But the, the locker rooms are the same worldwide. You know what I mean? I mean, you always get the how you doing, sir, thank you, sir, and all this other sir bullshit. You know what I mean? Right. When you went out there, I just beat the fuck out of you for like 20 minutes, and then you come back and thank me. You know what I mean? Whether that's showing respect for the business or what, you know what I mean? I'm not going to thank somebody for kicking my ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you, you go out there and you do a fucking job. Well, what you know is what I mean? it? That's your, that, that's your job, to do a job. What's the proper you know locker I mean? room etiquette then? Because you hear that stuff like... You know, do you say hi? Do you not say hi? Do you stay to yourself? Do you thank people? What's the proper locker room etiquette if I'm walking into work for the first time? Well, I mean, for the first time when they come in, they shake everybody's hand. You know what I mean? And that shit used to aggravate the fuck out of me. You know what <laughs> I mean? They come in, they shake your hand. Everything did. And how you doing, sir? And, you know, I'm nice to meet you, sir. And I'm like, yeah, go, go the fuck away. You know, but... You do that, and then, you know, you go sit in your little corner and wait for you, you know, wait for them to tell you what you got to do, you know, and then you go over your match, and then you go out there and get in the ring and work out a little bit, and then you go back and get ready for the show. So it's okay to keep to yourself if somebody's starting out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I never, I was never from... North Georgia to USWA to Smoky Mountain, ECW. I never walked in the locker room and shook hands with everybody I had just seen 24 hours ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? I never did it, you know, because I, I didn't feel like it was necessary to do, so I never did it. So should I, should let's say we're working together for the first time. Uh not me, obviously, because of you know my my musculature. But if I'm a worker and I'm working with you for the first time, do I suggest spots for myself? How would that go over with New Jack? You know what? The two times it happened, I end up on the news. <laughs> Was one wearing a bus driver outfit? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and because I mean, he was like, New Jack, I got a couple of spots I want to do. You know, he's like. My family's out there, so I want to get some spots in. You know, I know I'm doing the job, but I want you to do this to put me, you know, in, in, in a good position. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and that's not something you do. You wait for the vet to make the call. You know what I mean? You never make the call. You wait for the vet to do it. And if you, if he don't come up to you and say something, then, you know, you got you got something to worry about. But the vet makes the call. But, but even if uh, mass transit had not made that suggestion, would you have given him anything in that match? No. Right. No. 
mean, he was a big fat kid. And I mean, you know, I, no, I, I, I never seen this guy. I never heard of him. He showed up with two fucking midgets. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have gave him nothing. Um, as far as cutting him, that wasn't my idea. That was his idea. Right. You know what I mean? So when people go back and they say, well, do you cut Mass Transit? Well, Mass Transit's idea was for me to cut him. He asked me to do it because he had never done it. You know what I mean? I was like, gladly, I'll do it. <laughs> right. You know, because he had came to me and said, that old silly shit. And I mean, I was walking around, I was looking around the locker room, seeing was anybody looking at me, pointing and laughing, saying, you know, we got him. You know what I mean? But wasn't nobody paying us no attention. So I knew that Mass Transit had made that call himself as mm. far as what we were going to do in a match. And I turned that whole fucking show around. What was it, an exacto knife? That was his. That was, was his gig. A surgical scaffold. And that was his gig, or you had that? I had it. Oh, okay. Because that's what I used to use on myself. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, but he was like, "Can you cut?" So what I did was I took. A, I had a, a piece of wood, a, a wood handle, and I taped it to the wood to make people think it was a knife. Uh, but it wasn't a knife. It was a little bitty blade. You know what I mean? But it cut deep. Yeah, obviously. Listen, where where do you think ECW is going to land in in the wrestling history books? Now, you know, we're a few years away from it. But when you zoom out, and I'm talking like 50 years outside of that, is it going to be, um, you know, the, the revolutionary thing that many of us think it was? Uh, will it get its due respect? When we zoom all the way out and we're talking about a hundred years of wrestling history, will it hold up? I think so. The original ECW, I think so. Yes. Not that shit that Vince did. With no, it. no, no, no. You know what I mean? But the original ECW, I think it'll go down in history. You know your 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 reputation in the ring, out of the ring. I mean, it's violence, drugs. You've been you've been on our shows. You've been very open and honest, which I love about you. And when people ask me about, you know, how hard is New Jack to work with, all that stuff. I listen. I didn't enjoy directing the Terry Funk roast when you showed up there, but um, right. But for the most part, it's you. You're 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 a diamond because. You're honest, and and you didn't have a filter, and you you answered whatever was asked, and that's all as a producer you could want from somebody. But do you worry as you get older? You know, you're not 25, 30 anymore. If there's grandkids coming down the road, do you worry that maybe you put too much out there? No. No, even like because we talked. Show. Uh-huh. I did a show in West Virginia few months ago and it was this man and he had these three little girls with him the oldest one had to have been like eight mm-hmm. and like eight seven six and they all had new jack t-shirts on <laughs> and they had the sleeves cut like me right like how i used to cut my sleeves and i was like they had to see me on the internet you know what I mean? And sure. then on my Instagram, there's a picture of me and the little boy, and we walking out of the ring, going back to the dressing room, and he had to be about eight, nine years old. He was sitting there 
kids that have seen me on fucking YouTube and WWE Network or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? And I laid the foundation for a lot of kids that's out there today. And I mean, I'm flattered when I see people trying to do my shit because they can't get it right. You know what I mean? And that goes back to, you know, when when Bubba and Devon decided to change their music to the beginning of like how mine was in Natural Born Killers and then they they started dressing like me, you know what I mean? That when they they just stole some shit that they that, that they knew was over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that my shit was over and everybody else knew it was over. But but so no cons like I'm uh, you're talking about the in ring stuff and that's I mean there's certainly you know you you that that makes sense you know kids are seeing that now it was different then and I think it's still different now because nobody's even coming close to the stuff you guys were doing but like you know you shared a lot of personal stuff like any feedback from family I mean you talked about your mom and that whole situation and you know did you ever get any feedback from family about the stuff we talked about. Okay. The motherfuckers, they, they never cared what I did. You know what I mean? I was never close to my family. Right, right. You know, so it was like, whatever I did, I did it. You know, and they didn't have anything to say about it. If they would have said something about it, I would have cursed them the fuck out. You know, because they never supported me. They never came to my matches. My mom came to one of my matches, and she got up and walked out in the middle of the match. Really? Where was that? In Smoky Mountain? Uh, Yeah. No, it was ECW. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, so I never gave a fuck about them as far as them being concerned about my about what I was doing. I wasn't trying to impress them. You know what I mean? My mom, she called me when they when we first hit ECW. We did an angle where we jumped on Public Enemy and the cops escorted us out of the ring. Yeah. And somebody from my mom's church saw it. And they called my mom and told her, they said, your son went to jail. So she called me in the middle of the night and she was like, what have you done now? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, my friend at church said they saw you go to jail on the ECW shows. She said, what, what did you do? I said, I didn't go to jail. They took me to the hotel. She right. said, but don't they saw you go out of handcuffs. I said, that was part of the show. I said, if you understood what the fuck I was doing, you wouldn't have to ask me all these dumbass questions. I said, but that was part of the show. You know, so they never supported me. My brothers, my sisters, none of them, they never supported me. So I just say, fuck them. Yeah, we talked about that on, on our the show Breaking Kayfabe. But, but, I mean, your moms went through a lot with, was it your dad or your stepfather, the one that shot the shotgun at her while she was holding you, running out of the house? No, my dad. That was your dad, right? And then also, your mom your mom was a nurse, right? And he was taking, <laughs> yeah. he, he was taking a blade to her. And I remember you, dis, you, that description, the visual you gave us of the white nurse's outfit of your mom turning red as he was stabbing her, right? Right. So, I mean... And he did. He did. That's what happened. But clearly, Mom... I'm saying Mom went through a lot, too. I mean, she... I know you've got some feelings there towards her, but, you know, her life was a... Uh, was a life uh, difficult. 
Listen. But she still had a job to do. You know what I mean? She still had kids raised. Yeah. She decided to lay down and get fucking pregnant and have all these goddamn kids. So she it, it was her job to raise them. You know what I mean? And she did a real shitty job with me. You know what I mean? I mean, she drove me all over the goddamn country. It was like every year we would move every year. I, w- I went to 12 different schools in 12 years. You know what I mean? So I never had, like, true friends. I called my friends because we were always on the goddamn run. Mm. What was she, what was she just looking for a place to settle down or what was the deal? I don't fucking know, man. I mean, you know, she was, would go out to any guy that would fucking have her. Right. You know what I mean? And then she would just, what the fuck, they say, you know, I'm waking up and seeing some guy standing in the kitchen naked. I'm like, what the fuck? You know? And it it was just, she didn't care. She didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? She was just like, I'm moving. We were moving. Mm. I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, we just moved. Is she still alive? Yeah. I saw her last year for the first time in 10 years. Did you talk? How'd that go? We talked. You know what I mean? I was just trying to break the ice. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, we've been, we hadn't spoken in 10 years. And I was in Atlanta, so I went by there to see her, and we hung out, you know what I mean, for a little bit. We got some meat, you know, and it, it was it was it was so phony. I, I mean, you could tell she was uncomfortable, and I was too. And I was ready to get the fuck out of there, so I left. Mm. And brothers and sisters, no contact. Nope. All right. How about kids? You which which kids you closest with? Are you close with any of your kids? Yeah. I talk to my older daughter, my, my older daughter all the time, you know what I mean? Brandy, she always keeps in touch with me and she'll call me. She sees the shit I'm doing on Facebook. She'll call me and ask me about it if she thinks she needs to. Mm. You know what I mean? It was a couple of times and I was in the hospital and I posted it on Facebook and she called me and she she wanted to come up here and see how I was doing. And um, they were just like, you know, she always she's always been there. That's good. At least you have that. How old is she? She's your oldest daughter. Thirty-one. Okay. What was your What was your toughest struggle, Jack? Was Was it addiction? Was it um, Was it your anger issues? What What is What does Jerome Young struggle with? I mean, I, I I had a little battle with with cocaine for a while, man. You know what I mean, and um. After I got DCW and started hanging out, and we started doing that shit, and I was on it for a while, you know, and I I stunted myself into a bad heart, you know. But I mean, you know, I was having fun doing it, so I did it. I didn't give a fuck who didn't like it. What about pills? I didn't really. I did Percocet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. But that's the only and Xanax. Those were my two favorites, the ones that I would do. Was it recreational or for did. pain? Huh? Was it recreational or for pain? For pain. Okay. What What about ECW? I mean, we talk about just I had Fonzie on a couple of weeks ago, and he pointed out to me, and I guess he's right. I'd have to sit here and do the math, but I talked to him about issues that the guys there had with addiction 
And he corrected me. He said, you think about it. Nobody died while they worked for ECW. Is that true? It might be. No. Because Spicoli was gone already, right? Yeah, he had died. But he was gone. He, he'd he left the company already. No, he didn't. Oh, no, he was there still? Okay. Yeah, yeah he was still there. All right. See, Fonzie's wrong. What the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, no, Spicoli and Louis uh, was still there. Okay. But didn't nobody else... Didn't nobody else die while I was there. Right. You know, um, Cronus died, and I was the only one from ECW that went to his funeral. No. And why? Didn't nobody else show up? And I was living in Virginia. I took the train all the way to fucking Boston. Wow. To go to his funeral, you know what I mean? And I thought that was kind of fucked up. And I asked Curtis Sadden, I said, where were you at? And he started making up all these goddamn excuses. I said, bro, I don't even want to hear it. You know, but everybody else had excuses. You know, they, they couldn't make it or something was going on with the family or the car was broke or what the fuck. Everybody had the money. You know what I mean? And I was just like, well, Cronus was my boy. And I got a picture of me and Cronus wrestling in, in uh, ACW on my wall now. Mm. Jack, would you be a good road agent? No. Why is that? Don't you think you have a lot to offer? You have a lot to offer the young guys, I think, no? I mean, I could do it, but I just don't have the tolerance for this (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? My mindset is so fucked up. It's like I would lose patience with somebody real quick. And... I mean, if I, I really applied myself to do it, I could do it, but I don't think at this point it would be a good idea. Right. <laughs> maybe not with the maybe not with that one big publicly traded company, but maybe maybe another one. Yeah. You know, the thing that New Jack brought to wrestling that was undeniable was danger. And don't you think wrestling needs danger? I don't think there's any danger in wrestling now. I don't think anybody's legit scary. And I don't think that anybody in the audience or on TV moves to the edge of their seat and goes, somebody's going to get fucking killed in this match. I don't think there's any danger. Today is not because everybody is like sticking to the book. You know what I mean? They're going by the goddamn book. But back then, we was off the hook. You know what I mean? I mean, we would come out there and we would cut a goddamn fool. <laughs> but, <laughs> excuse me, you, you got guys today that there is yes or no so kind of shit. You know what I mean? And, and, they stick it to the script. Yeah. Whereas we didn't have a script. I mean, you know, Paulie would tell you what to do, but I mean, he would just give you the point. And he's like, here's the point. Get to it. And you have to find a way to get to it. Yeah, so he would give you the pointers, but um, but still, I'm talking about from like from a character standpoint, not even from a uh, what's, you know, the orchestration of the match. I mean, like, 
guys that you never knew what they were going to do, like yourself. That I just don't think that exists. That element of danger, I just feel like everything is so perfectly so perfectly put together from the things everybody's going to say to the characters. Nobody wants to be kind of one of these left field guys anymore. I mean, you guys were left field guys, really, in real life. Yeah. Yeah, we were. You know, when you called me to come up to do the the Vince Russo thing, we were doing the first uh, interview with Russo since he left TNA, and he was going to, it was a You Shoot Live, he was going to answer anybody's questions in person, and you called me and said, I just want to, I'm... I mean, you committed. You drove or took the train something up from Atlantic City three hours because you wanted to ask him face-to-face one question. You didn't want to send a video. You didn't want to call. And that's a shoot. I mean, that that backstage footage is on that uh, DVD. If anyone gets their hands on it, the Vince Russo you shoot, it's you telling me on the phone. And I told you, I said, look, there's no money in this. But you want to come up, I'll put you on. And you were like, no, I have to ask him this to his face to ta- to finally admit that ECW was the influence for the Attitude Era. I thought that was huge. I don't think enough people talk about that moment that you came up and asked him that question. I think it was the most poignant question of the night, and I'm just surprised it's not talked about more, even outside of the context of of kayfabe commentaries, but people just don't talk about the fact that ECW was the gate. That was the portal that the business passed through and reinvented itself for the next 10 years. Right. So you should talk about it more. You should bring it up every time someone asks you, for Christ's sake, because it's true. Listen, what's the last match you wanted to see? Wrestling match that you looked forward to seeing? Huh? What's the last wrestling match you actually looked forward to seeing? A contemporary match. Is there one? No. (laughs) Not at all, huh? No. So you got to understand something, man. I don't watch this shit on TV now. You know what I mean? They got that WWE shit going on and whatever the fuck else got going on. I don't watch it now. I just, I don't. I go on the internet and fuck around on Facebook and I just started doing my Instagram and, and fucking Twitter. But I mean, you know, I don't follow wrestling now because it's, product is so fucked up until, you know, I don't want to see it. Right. Because it's all bullshit. Understood. Understood. Well, you sound very good, Jack. I got to tell you. I've talked to you through the years. You sound uh, you sound very good now. You're clearly uh, healthy, I would assume. Happy and healthy. Yeah, let me promote my book. Man. Oh, come here. on. We're going to talk about that book. You kidding me? Come on. Let's get the title. It's called New Jack, is it not? New Jack Memoirs of Professional Wrestling something, right? Let's get this exact yeah. and get this exact title for you. Let me tell you my favorite New Jack moment. We were in I'm gonna say Rawway, New Jersey. They were doing uh, the live show and we had a table there. We were shooting this uh, behind the scenes thing with Raven, but we had a table. We had a merch table. And we were setting up and you you'd come in early and I, I saw you walking across the uh the uh, arena floor when they were setting up. So I walked over to say hi to you. And I said, oh, you know, look who's here. And I put my hand out and you just kind of tapped my hand and kept going. Almost like you didn't see me. You were doing the thousand mile stare, right? 
So I was like, "Ooh, okay, maybe he's 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 something's going on. Jack's got something on his mind, or maybe maybe a little maybe a little pain. Maybe you had a little pain. Maybe you took a couple of perks. Maybe your arm was bothering you. Something. Who knows? So right. you, so you set up right next to us. You were right at the table next to us, which was cool. You were doing your merch sign and stuff. We were at our table. I walked over with the, the most recent thing we had done together, and I said, Jack, here, I don't know if you got a copy of this. Um, here's a DVD, and you kind of very quietly, slowly took it out of my hand, put, put it in a bag on the floor, and then went back to signing pictures. An hour later, an hour later, during an intermission, we're standing there, fans are at both tables. I hear to my right, hey, Sean. I turn over. You go, you don't say hi to me, bro? That's my favorite New Jack story. <laughs> my old friend Jack. My old friend Jack. Maybe we'll be sitting on the porch someday on the rocking chair. A couple of lemonades. Talking about old times. Remember that time I didn't know who you were in Rawway, New Jersey? That's some shit. You done with that blunt? All right, let's hit Twitter. I want to get some of these out before we roll out of here. Uh, I asked you tonight to ask me questions. Found objects. Found objects is going deep. He's going deep right away. What would you want someone to say about you in your eulogy? How do you want to be remembered? Well, I don't want to die, first of all. Let's just put this right out there. So if there's any way that this can be avoided... I'm going to do that, okay? I'm, there's going to be a serum or something so that uh, so that I don't have to die. And you know what? When you think about it, isn't that what this all is? Isn't that what entertainment is? Isn't this what my foray into movies and writing and now this podcast? Isn't it just immortality, right? Isn't Doesn't it make us feel a little better? You know, despite you know, being paid for your work, doesn't isn't the additional payment that there's some immortality here? I don't know. I just hope it's not serious. Uh, have fun with my eulogy. Whoever's going to do it, please just have fun. Make everyone laugh. That's what I would do. I'm, I'm, if, if I'm ever asked to eulogize someone, I'm going to make fun of them. So please do that to me. And just make sure my kids know I love them. Um, uh, Levi Betts, should Kiss continue without Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons? Well, they're clearly on that road, and uh, they proved that it is the business model by doing it without Peter, Chris, or Ace Frehley, right? They've used uh, characters. So it's something beyond music now. It's a bit of a, uh, a bit of an experience. You know, it's... Uh, it's uh, music entertainment. It's music, uh, the a living graphic novel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, as Gene might say, we are something, an entity beyond just music. We are able to put these characters out there and have other people embody them. And quite honestly, uh, when Paul and I go someday, someone else will be in the demon makeup and the star child makeup. That's clearly where it's headed. Uh I I don't know if I'd have any have any interest in seeing it. Part of the fun of seeing any band is not seeing a cover band, right? You're seeing the 
the guys who wrote it, who played it for years, there's a bit of a thrill in that. I covered that in a, in another podcast. The uh, I called it the artist's brushstroke. When you can you know go look at Starry Night in the museum, and what you're getting off on is that it's not a, a replication in any way. You can actually see Van Gogh's brushstrokes in it. And you know what? If the artist's brush stroke is not there, I don't think I'm going to have any interest in seeing it. Uh, but people love cover bands, so I'm sure people will go see it. Um, Ralph Ramirez would like to know my thoughts on the effect of the the documentary "The Rape of Two Corys" will have on the entertainment industry. Well, Ralph, um, who knows? Boy, that Corey Feldman's always up to something, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's uh, dragging this out. I don't know if this is a, uh, a premeditated thing. If he said every two years, I'll have an announcement about. You know, I just look. I just hope if he and Corey Haim were in any way abused as children, I just hope it goes through the proper channels, to, to the police department, to a prosecutor, district attorney somewhere, and it gets handled that way. It 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 starts to feel a little bit like a production when it's done this way. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. Do you put a moratorium on that stuff? Do you say that if if this if information about a crime is revealed um, as a documentary? But you know what? There are some documentaries that do shed light on things that have been ignored by authorities, or it shows things that, like Making a Murderer. That's the first one that comes to mind on Netflix. So I guess I don't know. But this just seems like self promotion. I don't know. I hope. I hope it's it's. I hope whoever did this uh, is prosecuted uh, to the fullest extent of the law for uh, abusing these children. Uh, TNT DND asks me, how do you get all these muscle-bound men sworn to professional secrecy to open up about their lives? Did they want to talk, or is it the interviewer at the right place at the right time? Um, I guess it's my superpower a little, as Raven called it. Um uh, to sit in the space, and I, I think I was always able to elicit uh, things from people in the one of the most guarded businesses in the world. Uh, I think it's just a sincerity. They know that I care about the story. They trust me. I'm not going to mishandle it. Uh, but, yeah, I guess a little bit is me, but a little bit is these guys, too. They love to talk, guys and gals. They love to talk. Professional wrestlers love to talk. And if it's about themselves, even better. Listen, I've spent enough time today talking about myself. So let's wrap this stuff up. Listen, I want you to help produce this show, okay? Patreon.com slash Podcast. All right, that's how we do this. We keep it free. It's a tiny little subscription, $1.99 a month. It's 50 cents a week. For God's sakes, be a patron of this program. And I will let the world know. That you are, in fact, a patron of this program. Like friends, like uh, the the aforementioned Ralph Ramirez, whose question I just answered with us from the beginning. Ian Vaughn Jones. Oh, let's see. Brandon Petrie. He was here for, uh, for a long time as well. A lot of long timers here. A lot of old timers. Matthew Robinson. Uh, came aboard recently. Wes Lilliman uh, is a veteran is a, of producing the uh, Kayfabe podcast. Um, it's good stuff, guys. 
Jump on board. Become part of it. Help keep it free. This has been a production of Sean Oliver Media. Music by the great Kevin McLeod. And in just a week's time, we're going to do this again. So get ready to dance.